재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 This is Koreascape on TBS EFM 101.3 MHz in Seoul and surrounding areas. We like to tap into the Korean mindset twice a week and learn everything we can about what Koreans are thinking and buzzing about. And we do it via a feature called Culture Pulse, where we listen very closely to what Koreans are saying to each other in social media or on mainstream media. On Thursdays, we've got a brand new voice, kind of a UK-inflected voice, joining us to guide us on that journey. Her name is Juhyun Hong. Juhyun, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Now, as I mentioned in the news feeds, we did that little bit about work-life balance. This is a campaign underway in Korea. Uh, we want to flesh that out a little bit and hear what people are thinking about it. So just sketch out again for us uh, this work-life balance thing. So there's a lot of series of articles covering about the top-down corporate culture in Korea and how mm. that needs to change. And how that needs to change for us to balance the work and family system that's going around in Korea. And there's a whole bunch of sort of ingrained uh, policies in corporate culture, such as when, you know, you ask for a vacation, you've got to basically beg for a vacation and you've got to say why. Um, What would be some examples of a good corporate culture and a not so good corporate culture? Well, a good corporate culture would be one where executives can directly respond to the employees' proposals, where night shifts aren't mandatory Mm. and uh, where once a month employees steer away from team leaders so that they could freely express their opinions. Okay, so that's the ideal. And the bad corporate culture is what's a little bit closer to the reality, right? Yes, so the bad examples would be frequent night shifts, inefficient conference meetings, and uh, the victim mentality of where employers sort of Um, not allow employees to take vacation without giving excuses. Mm -hmm. Every now and then an article will surface where Korea's productivity, despite its success in other areas, its productivity is among the lowest in the OECD. And one of the reasons is that uh, teams spend so much time producing these presentations for bosses who order them like right uh, at the spur of the moment. They'll lose a whole day Mm -hmm. for that instead of, you know, kind of the longer term picture of the culture. So uh, is leave sort of the the, the central issue? I mean, I get the sense and I've talked to Korean employees, they don't really feel they can take the leave even though they're entitled to it. Because they just feel like when they are saying to their boss, oh, I'm going to take a leave, that they are doing something that they shouldn't. So they always feel sort of guilted, guilty in a sense Mm -hmm. that they shouldn't say that. And just because their boss is not taking the leave at the exact same time that they are, so they feel like they shouldn't take that leave. So they don't want to take the leave while the boss is still going to work. That that operates on a micro scale too. They don't want to leave, you know, Taegun at the end of the day when their boss is still there. That's kind of a no-no too, isn't it? Yes, they're very like on eggshells when the boss leaves, when the boss is still at work and then for them to leave, it's kind of, I guess they believe that it shows bad manners in a way. Mm. So, And then there's this whole question about extracurricular meetings, so-called heishiks. You know, if the boss says, all right, everybody, we've got some business to talk about over beers and uh, takalbi or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, the whole team feels kind of compelled to go, even though they've got a kid and a wife at home or whatever. And it's just very inefficient because they have to still punch in at work tomorrow early in the morning. So there's no point in these afternoon sessions where they have to go and drink and be forced to stay there. 
There you go. That's a snapshot of Korean corporate culture and a little bit of what uh, this drive is trying to change. We've got some actual netizens reacting to this drive and reacting to the corporate culture. Let's give that a listen in our social media elements. Please, general managers, I beg of you to leave at a regular time. I get that you don't want to go home early, but why make others suffer? We have to go to these forced get-togethers every day, yet you make sure we don't get compensated for our night and weekend shifts. Please forget about how things were in your past. Wrong-minded executives need to disappear, if Korea was to ever become an advanced country. The ever-present top-down system, from that army to companies. Juhyun, you may have noticed that our social media elements are read by an automated set of voices who do not complain about overtime and do not request <laughs> pay rises. Uh, <laughs> so they don't need to be part of this drive for a better corporate culture. Let's go ahead and leave the whole question of improving corporate culture there and move on to topic number two. A whole lot of people take public transport and there's apparently some back and forth over the temperature of the cars. Yes, uh, apparently the number one complaint for passengers on subway is that they don't like the air conditioning so they either want the air conditioning on or they either want the heating on and it really pains the metro operator. I thought they tried to do this with that. They have, don't they have like yakningbang and things like that where you can choose your level? That's the thing. Even they go to those ca- cars, they still feel that it's very cold. Uh-huh. So there's never a quick fix for the problem. I personally love that blast of cold air when you go on, <laughs> on the subway. It's like stepping into a refrigerator. You get a little escape from the humidity and the heat of the day and vice versa in the winter. Sometimes, frankly, in the winter, the cars can be overheated. I feel True. like I'm in a, a, you know, a mandu steamer or something <laughs> like that. Um, so that's the big complaint is temperature. The temperature is the biggest complaint. Um, after that, we've got complaints regarding panhandling and disruptions of order, uh, which takes up about safe 17%. Uh-huh. And uh, so you, the behavior of people on the subway, the temperature, and uh, it seems you can never satisfy everyone all the time. By definition, if some people want to be cooler, uh, the people who are already cold are definitely going to be displeased. What are people generally saying about the temperature on subways? Well, according to the comments, people are saying people, passengers who are cold, they should just bring a thin outerwear because if they're cold, they could still make themselves warm. Whereas for people who are hot, there's no other option than to get naked. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That would generate a whole other series. Of complaints, wouldn't it? Definitely. Yeah, I think um, you can always warm up. You can always layer up. Uh, and that's how, you know, when you go to, a, say, a movie theater, mm. that's how I tend to approach it. Movie theaters tend to be strangely cold or other environments where they're just blasting the air conditioner. So, yeah, what's wrong with bringing a little windbreaker or a little hoodie or something like that? Yeah, I don't think it's that much trouble either since it's just like a thin outerwear, especially during the summer nowadays where it's squashing hot. So. <laughs> squashing hot. Uh, you know, part of the problem, I think, is generational because... Uh, let's face it, most of the people who complain of cold, they're going to be a little older. Their their body temperature isn't quite as hot as the mm. younger people. Uh, and there's 
lately these kind of debates of privilege on the subway I've seen in in previous editions of Culture Pulse mm. between the young and the old. You know, the old ride for free, they get the priority seats. Sometimes they act a little bit entitled. Maybe this is just another angle of the whole, you know, temperature debate. Mm. Yeah, did we um did we get to the comments? I can't remember. No, we didn't get All to right, the All right, let's do some yet. comments on those. Okay, so like I said, people said they should bring an outerwear for the passengers that are cold. And there were some funny comments where they said, since the regulation for subways or metro system is that they need to keep the temperature between 25 to 26 degrees for whoever think, for passengers, whoever say that it's too cold, there's something wrong with their body, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, you're, if you're going below 25 degrees, you know, if 25, 26 degrees isn't uh, warm enough for you, then something's wrong. That's the idea. Yes, that's the idea. Yeah, what, the, the body is supposed to be in Fahrenheit, I know it. It's 98.1 degrees in Fahrenheit. Do you remember what it is in Celsius, what the ideal body I'm, temperature I'm is? I'm not so sure. Okay, that's fair what? enough. I can't remember either, so you're off the hook on that. <laughs> so the basic gist of the comments is stop your whining, bring along a, uh, a little shell or a little hoodie, something to keep you warm if you're cold. Let's move on to our final topic. This is kind of scary. We heard about it at the top of the hour in the news. Uh, concern about earthquakes in Korea, which I've never, ever heard before. But apparently uh, there have been enough seismic readings to create a concern. Yes, um, the number of earthquakes in Korea is increasing. Like we faced 30 shocks within this year. So it just confirms that we're no longer safe from earthquakes. This year, yeah, dozens of shocks, really. I mean, more than ever before. And the size of the shocks has been uh, enough to alarm people. Uh, recently, I think it's topped 5.0 on the Richter scale, yes. which is quite unusual. And it's got a lot of people asking questions about safety. When you know you're an earthquake-prone society, as, for example, uh, San Francisco is or uh, Tokyo, mm. Japan, then you build that into your city planning and your civic planning. Has Korea really done that in its planning? Korea hasn't really done that because Korea has always thought of itself to be quite safe away from earthquakes. So now that the number of earthquakes are increasing, people are panicking because we don't have a safety system in place. Yeah. Uh, in Hong Kong, it's you're not anywhere near plates or earthquakes in Hong Kong, and they don't really factor in earthquakes. But you consider these massive skyscrapers and apartments, if they came down, it would be awful. Uh, let's get a quick sense of the comments on these earthquakes. Uh, people are saying that um, we are witnessing earthquakes with a magnitude over six, yet our government um, still lets our nuclear plants withstand this earthquakes without any proper coping methods. So they are really wor worried over our public's uh, safety. Yeah, God forbid another Fukushima uh, happening here in Korea. And uh, what are they saying about uh, just buildings in general? They're saying that if a big earthquake was to hit Korea, most of our skyscrapers and buildings will collapse and it will create a catastrophic damage to mm. the society. So it's still kind of uh, vaporware at this point. It's still preliminary fears. But when you've got those readings on the seismograph, it's really time to pay attention as a society and start to think, do we need to retrofit these buildings and so on? Mm. Juhyun, it was great to have you for this first inaugural edition of you appearing on Culture Pulse. I look forward to many more. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Koreascape resumes right after this.